word for you. I was praying about it. And um, I, you know, the whole thing about Christmas, it irritates me so much that people don't talk about Christmas. So, you know, this is our season. This is ours. It's Jesus' birthday, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so I have been reading, you know, all of the accounts in Matthew and Luke, and I've been going over it, and I've just been looking at it. And what I, I, I kind of do this thing where I like to look at the white, you know, in between the black. And this is the, God just put on my heart this whole thing with Elizabeth. Can we talk about Elizabeth tonight or today? I'm used to preaching at night. (laughs) So I want to talk about Elizabeth and Zachariah and just let's look at the white around that. So it's Jesus' birthday party and, you know, Jesus being born and God is throwing this huge birthday party. And it's so incredible because for 400 years, the prophetic has been silenced. No angelic, no visitations, no prophetic word, 400 years. Now, I don't know about you. A lot of the stuff you read, you know, in the, in the prophetic, in the prophecies, it's all about them being bad and stuff. You ever get in trouble with your parents and your parents are always like correcting you and correcting you and correcting you? Sometimes you'd be happy if they'd be silent for a while. But, you know, after a little bit, that shifts to, oh, wait, do they not care? Doesn't it? So, you know, I wonder how the people were feeling at this time. 400 years of silence. Were they starting to feel like God just wasn't interested anymore? But all of a sudden, he burst on the scene. There's angels in the air. There's multitudes singing songs. And there's, there's, these star, there's a star in the east. And we've got wise men. And we've got, we've got shepherds seeing angels. I mean, we've got all of this bursting on the scene. God speaking over and over again in all kinds of ways. These exciting times. Remember in Luke 2, it says, And the angels said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. And and that's what God is going to do. He's going to release this joy. One time time we were doing like the Easter story, and every year at this church that we were in, this one guy always volunteered to play Jesus. He was the most depressed person I ever met. He would always be so solemn, and he would play the part of Jesus. Well, one year, nobody wanted to do the Christmas play, so I volunteered. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I have a replacement for you. And he looked like that guy. My Jesus did. So... So, and Jesus' Jesus' birthday, instead of, he's like, he's so, he's celebrating, God is just celebrating so much, he's giving out gifts. And one of these gifts is found in Luke 1, and this is where the uh, angel came in Luke 1, 5, let me get this, Luke 1, 5, this is where the angel came, and and, in verse 5, it pretty much just tells you who Zacharias is. He is a, a priest that is from the tribe of Aaron. You can't get any more priestly than that. You can't get any more. That's like, that like blue blood. 
You're, that's the best kind of blood stock you could come from, right? And so that's, what, that's where he's coming from. And, you know, priests are different than prophets. Like, if you're a prophet, you could be a stinky shepherd, like, out there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on you and you start prophesying. You know, a prophets come from all different places. But the, the priests, they're kind of interesting because it was commanded by the, by, by the Lord that all the Levites, right, would be set aside onto the Lord to be priest. So can you imagine that? When, you, when your kids are like teenagers, and they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, what do you want to be? Uh, you already know, we already know what you're going to be. What, what, what? No, I want to be a fireman. I want to be, no, you're a Levite. You're going to be a priest. That would go over well with 50% of the teenagers. <laughs> the other 50, maybe not so much. So this is where, this is where, this, he's a priest, and he's of the royal blood. He comes from Aaron's stock. And number six, in verse six, it says, they were good. Oops. Don't touch your keypad. It really goes flying. Okay, so verse six. And it says that, um, Okay, they were good and just people in God's sight, walking with integrity in the Lord's ways and laws. Yet they had the sadness. Due to Elizabeth's infertility, they were childless. And at this time, they were both quite old, well past the normal childbearing years. So I looked that up. Turns out around 50 is the time when people's cycles stop. Maybe 52, maybe 48, somewhere around there, right? So they're well past that. So what do you think is well past? Five years, 10 years, let's go for 10. So let's say they're about 10 years past that time where she's all dried up. She knows that she's not got any more cycles. There's no more babies coming out of her. And we know that during this time, the women were usually married around 14, 15, 16. So if you're talking about 60, we're talking 45 years of being barren. 45 years. Some of you in this room aren't even 45 years old. Can you imagine for 45 years wanting, longing, hoping for a baby? And every year had ticked by until 45 had passed and your arms were still empty. So you got to think about what it meant for her when this angel came. What it meant for Zacharias when this angel came. So... Then one day, Zacharias was chosen to perform his priestly duties in God's presence according to the temple's normal schedule and routine. He had been selected from all the priests by the customary procedure of casting lots for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter the sacred precincts of the temple. There he burned sweet incense. Wait, don't you think that is super cool? So prophetic. Look what God's doing. He gets, he gets this special privilege of going in the holy place and burning the incense before the Lord. What does the incense represent in the Bible? Prayers. His prayers. 45 years of his prayers. 45 years of her prayers crying out to God, could I have this baby, Lord? Don't you think it's so prophetic? I love how God puts all story together. So let's see. And he had, okay, so now 10. 
while outside a large crowd of people prayed, and suddenly Zacharias, Zacharias realized he was not alone. A messenger, an angel of the Lord was there with him, and the messenger stood to the right of the altar of incense, and Zacharias was shocked and afraid, but the messenger assured him. This is uh, written, and it's called The Voice. It's written like a play. It's just my drama part. <laughs> so the messenger says, Zacharias, calm down. Do not be afraid. And the reason why he said that is because this angel is the angel, the archangel of the Lord, one of the highest angels that the Lord has. And he stands in the presence of God. Anything that's in the presence of God is going to be saturated with the glory. And when that glory, when that presence comes into the room, that glory is going to come off on waves and you're going to be afraid for your life because you are now feeling the glory of God in all of his holiness. I know this because in our, in our labs we do dream interpretations. And so we'll have these dreams. And if anyone has ever had a dream where they had a visitation on this kind of realm, where this person or the voice of the Lord came in, and from that throne room experience, even if they've shared it 20 years prior, it happened. When they share it, that realm of glory always still comes in the room. It is so incredible because the eternal, that's the eternal part of God. So you know that's why he had to tell him, do not be afraid, because when he was standing there, he was seeping out that glory and presence of the Lord. Then the messenger says, Zacharias, your prayers have been heard. Your wife is going to have a son, and you will name him John, and he will bring you great joy and happiness, and many will share in the joy at John's birth. Okay, so you guys realize there's a lot to this story, but you have to read some of it on your own. (laughs) So here's Elizabeth. She's in her senior year. She's been longing and wishing for a baby. Have you ever wanted something to happen, and you did whatever you could do to make it happen? You took every class you could do. You went to every doctor you could speak to. You listened to every type of, 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 of remedy or home, group, home thing they might have out. You'll try anything to make this happen. You're praying. You're pressing in. And yet, even in this whole time, have you ever been in that place where you have pushed and pushed at something and it has not moved for you? Can you relate to where Elizabeth is right now? Have you ever wanted something so bad and there's nothing that you can do to make it happen? So have you ever felt like this too? After one year or two years or three years, but now you're talking 40 plus years of pushing on this area, of longing for this. Do you ever get this feeling, have this ever happened to you where you feel like you're in this cycle and it's just negative after negative after negative? I don't know how many people I talked to during this Christmas season that have been telling me, I feel like I'm stuck in this negative cycle. I feel like I can't get out of this thing. And that's exactly where Elizabeth is feeling. And I, 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 just, I love that God is the God of impossible. So sometimes when we're, when we're going through stuff 
And, and, and we're pushing, and we're pushing, and nothing is moving. And, 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 and we feel like this is just, every time I get fired from this job, every time this door gets closed for me, every time I try to get up, this doesn't happen for me. When we start getting like that, have you ever noticed that there will be other people that will come along and start to agree with you? Yeah, you're right. You know what? Every time you do this, you always fail at that. You know? Yeah, I, I, I've seen that. You know what? There, there, this, you know, some people were just made to be barren. You know what? You, you know what? Maybe God's trying to teach you something through your barrenness. When we come into agreement with some, now, don't think that Elizabeth fell into agreement right away. No, no, I'm talking 45 years. Maybe she didn't believe it. Maybe, maybe when they said to her, you know, God's just trying to teach you something. Maybe she didn't believe it for the first five years or the first 10 years. Maybe she didn't believe it till she hit her 40s and she started counting down the years. I got one more. I got five more years. I got three more years. Maybe when she hit that 50th birthday, And she didn't have a period anymore. Maybe then she started to believe it. Anytime we come into agreement with the things that the world says, with the way that the world goes, we give it power. Because when you come into agreement and touch something, you release the power of God that's inside of you in it. Remember what it says in Matthew 18, 19. It says this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, that's good or that's bad. That that they ask, it will be done for them by their Father in heaven. Here's a thought. What happens if the reason we haven't got our breakthrough is because of us? What happens if along the way we came into agreement with what people said, with what they thought about us? So that's something to think about. So this baby, the reproach. So this baby is going to take the reproach off of her life. It's going to, it's going to shift everything. When this good news came, it was, it was going to shift 45 years of reproach. Look at that. You adorable baby. In, in Luke one twenty five, it says this. Elizabeth says, I have lived with the disgrace of being barren for all these years. Now God has looked upon me with favor. And when I, got out, when I go out in public with my baby, I will not be disgraced any longer. You know why she was disgraced? Because of the culture of her times. See, we live in culture. There's ideas and concepts that we believe we adhere to, that we think is true, but it's really not true. It's the culture that we live in, and it permeates our thinking, and it's what we like to call stinking thinking. And so one of the things we talk about all the time of fire is about knowing the ways of God. See, knowing the ways of God is more than knowing a scripture, where scriptures are good. It's it's more than knowing a a, a chapter, and chapters are good. 
We need to know all the ways of God. So we read this from Genesis to Revelation, and we see not only the scriptures and the promises, but we see how God interacts with the people, and that's how we begin to know the ways of God. So someone can't come up to you and pull a random verse out to you and say, oh, yeah, the Bible says this and this and that. And you go, hmm, yeah, but I know the ways of God, and this is how God deals with people. See, and you can't do that by letting somebody else do that for you. You've got to know the ways of God for yourself. And so the culture will put out something, and if you don't get into this word and know it like that, where you know his ways, that cultural lie will be truth to you. It will become your truth. And here's the cultural lie that they believed at that time. That it was a mark of God's disapproval if you were barren. Now that is causing some great problems. You know why? Well, one thing is, you ever heard that thing that bad things happen to bad people? So, like, somebody's spouse leaves them, and, and their husband or their wife leaves, and then they tell the other spouse, well, you did something, you messed up. If you hadn't done that, he wouldn't have left you. Or have you ever heard about a woman maybe getting raped, and they'll say, hey, you know what? You asked for it. If you weren't there at that time, if you hadn't been drinking, it would have never happened to you. Or maybe a guy and a girl, and, and they're getting, one of them's beating up on the other one. Greg had a friend that was the guy who beat up on, a, on the wife that beat up on the guy. It was bad. She did a good job at it, too. But anyway, and they'll say, hey, you know, you egged him on. You knew you shouldn't have said that. You know every time you go that way. And they blame the person. And so they ever done that thing where you, they, 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 they're bad, there's a belief system that we have even here that bad things happen to bad people. But, you know, I don't care what bad decisions you made in life. It never justifies somebody else's bad decision. It never justifies it. Even if you were in the wrong place, what, guess what? It still did not justify someone attacking you. So just have wisdom. Now, have godly friends, and they'll give you great wisdom. I have a bunch of them. They tell me stuff all the time. So we hear this blame in people's voices, and we take it on. And we start to get bitter and frustrated with God that he didn't move on our behalf. How many people, I don't, you hear this? I hear this all the time. I am so mad at God. Why? Because this bad thing happened. Yep. Do you realize that bad things happen in the whole entire world? But when a bad thing happens to somebody personally, you ever notice how all of a sudden, they're angry at God that he didn't deliver them or say, well, he's, he's the God of everything. How come? And so when bad things happen, we also become bitter with the Lord. So this is really an issue with Zechariah. Because remember I told you when Zechariah was born and he came out of his little mommy's belly and they slept his little hiney and he was, ah! They were like, oh, look, it's Zechariah. You're going to be a priest. That's it. Don't ask. That's what you're going to be. Now, I don't know. You ever notice thing about teenagers? Teenagers hate to fail. Did you notice that? They don't want, like, there's a lot. I know. I was thinking that when I was putting this together. Lord, I hate to fail too. 
there's a lot of pressure on being a teen. You're at this point, this rite of passage. And can you imagine all those young Levite teenage boys? Hey, guess what? You're going to be a priest. And you're thinking to yourself, why can't I be a fishmonger? Why can't I catch fish? Peter, he gets away with everything. He's sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. Why can't I be a fisherman? Fishermen have grace on their life. Priests get away with nothing. It's a lot of pressure being a priest. And so Zechariah wants to be a good priest. He wants to be a godly priest. He's gonna, this is his life career. I'm good. He's gonna be a good and godly priest. He gets married, he got his beautiful bride. A couple years later, she's got no baby. Is there sin in that camp? Did you see that? It's been two years, and there ain't no baby there. You know what the Bible says. You know how God says it's a form of his punishment and displeasure when they're barren. I wonder what Elizabeth and Zacharias are doing. Then you're, at, you're over at the temple, and you're doing all your, your, your stuff, and, and people come in, and they want prayer because they're sick or something, and they come up, and there's Zacharias, and he's all ready and been praying and fasting, and he's all ready, got his Bible, and he's like, okay. And they're like, can I have another priest? It, I, you know, this is important. I'm sorry, Zacharias. I hope you understand. But this is important. I need God to hear from me. 45 years, Zacharias was a priest. Where the only reason why you're barren in that community is because you're in sin. How would you like that? So I love that God started this whole thing out with I'm bringing you great joy. Can you now see? Why this is going to be great joy? (laughs) If you don't take some time and look at the white, you'll never see what God was really doing when he said, Zacharias, you are going to have a baby. He's going to wipe away 45 years. So this is God's truth, and the truth will set us free. Did you know that God never saw Zacharias and Elizabeth like that? Never. Look what it says in, in um, Luke 1, 6. It said this in the Amplified. It says, and they both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. 45 years they lived underneath a scrutiny that was not true, but this is what God thought about him all along. There are lies and things that you might be believing about yourself that has been said to you your whole life, but I'm here to tell you it could be a complete lie. It could be the culture that you were raised in. It could be the people that you were around with, and you came into agreement with it, and it became true to you. But when God looked at you, he saw you like this. That's the great joy that he's giving all the people. So sometimes when we believe a lie, we shift. 
And that's the real, real thing I want to share with you. God really spoke to us at FIRE. We've been on this for probably a month. You cannot allow the outside ideas and concepts to shift the way that you're going to act or behave. If you act out on you're never good enough, if you act out on you're the dumb one, if you act out on that you're, you're, you're not the pretty one, or you're always this or that, or whatever those lies, or you'll never succeed, or whatever it is that's going floating in your head, anytime you act out on that, you always get off your destiny. You always shift off your calling. And so we see that happen with um, Zechariah because here's the angel of the Lord, you know, and he says to him in verse 18, he responds to, I didn't read the whole thing, but he goes on to tell him all the amazing things that John will do as a baby. I mean, the baby John will do as he grows up. And then at the end, Zacharias, this is his response in verse 18. But Zacharias replied to the angel, how can I know that this is true? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I tell the Lord, Lord, glory to God. I just got this prophetic word that I'm going to go do this and this and that. God, if that is you, you're going to have to send me a piece of paper with a written in gold. Because if I don't know that's you, there's no way I'm doing that. You ever have one of those really weird, freaky ones where someone gives you a word that tells you that they want you to come work for their ministry full time? And you're like, what? Jesus? We have to have a confirmation here. I would like it in gold. (laughs) You ever said that to the Lord, something like that? Am I the only one? You want to know. He was an angel. It's not in a dream. It wasn't an impression. Oh, I'm impressed when I I was praying. I, I felt impressed that I should call Andrew today. No, we're not talking about an impression. We're, we're not talking about a vision. We're not talking about a dream. I had a dream last night, and God showed me these alligators, and I was telling them to be quiet. No, it's not a dream. <laughs> this is an angel who carried so much of the glory. It eked out of him, and Zacharias was terrified. How do I know that? What could God do? I mean, what's step number two on this? I sent you my highest angel. I could sit on you. I mean, I don't know what else. <laughs> so sometimes, you, we, God, God we, we've got this. What happened with Zacharias was 45 years of, of hearing this thing. And I don't even know if he believed, he knew he believed it. But he began to believe that God was rejecting him. That's what it was. So when God shows up and says, I'm going to do this phenomenal thing, it's like, really? Are you sure? How do I know that this time you want to do a phenomenal thing? That's where he's at. But that's okay. Because guess what? God has room for our stupidness. I love this. If you go back and read it, it says, even Gabriel says, you're lucky. This is one of those things that even if you try to screw it up, you can't. God's still going to do it. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Jeremiah, God has the plan. Remember in Jeremiah 29, 11, he's got a plan as a good plan. for God still has the plan, and it's on purpose with him. So here's, uh, here in Luke 1, 36 through 37 is Gabriel's response. It sounds impossible. Oh, no, wait a minute. That wasn't his response to him. Let me get back up. This is when he's telling, this is where, I love this. This is when he's telling Mary, because now he sent, Gabriel first went to Elizabeth and Zacharias, but now he's telling Mary about her baby. And so this is what he tells Mary. It sounds impossible, but listen, you know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and now is far too old to be a mother. Yet she's become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months she will have a son. So the impossible is possible with God. Who said that? When you, uh, when you go out of here today, I want you to hold on to this. Is that heaven sent his highest angel to release this word to the church that the impossible is possible today. There's absolutely nothing that has come against your life. There's no lie. There is no barren place. There's no barren cycle in your life that God himself has now made a precedent that the impossible is possible now. Do you know what this means? It's like, remember the four-minute mile? Nobody could break it, and then one day somebody got the nerve in 1964 to do it. It wasn't impossible anymore. There's nothing that's impossible for God. There's no barrenness that's impossible for God. God released that word to us on the birth of his son. That's the gift to the church. He broke impossibilities. So I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if they told you your your kidneys fail. I don't care if they told you your marriage is over. I don't care if they told you you'll never hold that baby in your arm. God wants you to know across the board there is no impossibility with him. So I leave you on this note. Don't let the Grinch steal your Christmas. Elizabeth gets this word from her husband when he comes home. She, of course, what happened, you remember, to Zacharias, he got time out. (laughs) The Lord put him in the quiet seat, and he's not allowed to talk until the baby's born. But anyway, when his mouth opens, it's really phenomenal. You should read it. It's amazing, especially in the voice. (sighs) But anyway... So let's see. So don't let the Grinch sell Christmas. So Elizabeth here, she's pregnant. Guess what she does? Does she parade the baby? Oh, I got a baby. I got a baby. Look, it's coming. No, she's so smart. She takes off for the hillside and she hides out in the country with her family and friends. You know, sometimes when you get your biggest blessing, you have your biggest breakthrough. You've got the same stupid people who told you that junk before. They're going to come back and they have new junk to tell you. It's like, oh, oh, that reminds me of my uncle's third cousin on the, on the side of that so-and-so person. Yeah, she thought she was pregnant too, but it was a tumor. Yeah, got really, really big, then she died of cancer, all of her guts came out of her nose. I bet you that's you. 
The same people that were lying to you before will try to lie to you again. So sometimes it's a good idea to hang out with some friends and enjoy your blessing. Amen? So don't let the Grinch steal your Christmas. So I, I want to leave you with, well, two things. All right, here's this. In Proverbs 10, 22, in the living word, it says, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. And he adds, and he adds and our works add nothing to it. And another version says, and he adds no sorrow to it. When the Lord blesses you, he's going to bless you real good. You hold on to the things you've been praying for. Don't let go to the things that you've been standing for. It's the season now of God walking through barren and dry lands. And when he walks, he's going to release life onto those who will come into agreement with him. Amen? Well, we're going we're gonna to pray in just a minute. I'm just going to invite everyone that has a dry place, a barren place in their life to stand, and we're all going to pray. We'll all gather around and pray. But before we do that, I want to release a little Christmas blessing to you. And this is from our silent guy. He now has his voice back. So this is Zachariah, and this is after he gets his voice back, and he's praising the Lord for what the Messiah will do. And I want to leave these words for you. They're so beautiful in the, in the, um, in the message. I mean, yeah, sorry, in the voice. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, I got it. I, I printed it too many times. Okay, here it is. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay, so this is Luke 1, 77 through 79. So that the Lord's people will receive knowledge of their freedom through the forgiveness of sins. All this will flow from the kind and compassionate mercy of our God. A new day is dawning. The sunrise from the heaven will break through our darkness And those who huddle in night, those who sit in the shadow of death, shall be able to rise and walk in the light, guided in the pathway of peace. Amen and Merry Christmas. So if that's you, if you're going through a dry place or a barren place or you know somebody is that's in a dry cycle in their life, I want you just to stand up wherever you are and then we're just going to do like we do here at the house. Anybody who's around you is going to pray with you and release the impossible in your situation. Amen? Thank you, Jesus.